Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome in to the Garnet Trust Hour Tyler Head and Wes Mitchell along with you on this Thursday morning, beautiful Thursday morning at that nice sunny Gervais Street outside our windows here on the Herndon Chevrolet Studios. Always excited to talk about what's going on in the NIL world here, uh, Wes. And, and today I guess we have a guest on Love Chevrolet phone lines that uh, has a very outside-the-box approach to NIL, something that's very new in this NIL space, and uh, very excited to talk to uh, Melissa Siegler uh, from Stashleet, who is, uh, again, a, a local here to South Carolina, big fan of the Gamecocks. And uh, Wes, you and Chris uh, have gotten to talk to her a little bit here lately uh, about this uh, unique way of uh, going about NIL. Yeah, this uh, this actually will be my first time speaking to Melissa. I know Chris did a story on Gamecock Central talking about Stashleet and what Statute is all about and, and kind of some background there. But let, let's go ahead and bring Melissa in. Uh, Melissa, this is Wes Mitchell, Tyler Head here on 107.5 The Game. Appreciate you taking some time. How are you doing today? Hey, guys. How are y'all? Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, excited to have you on. Uh, how would you describe what exactly Statute is to, to those that have never heard of it? You kind of think of the acorns of, of college sports. Uh, that's kind of what we like to say. You know, it's, it's a roundup forward um, that benefits college athletes as well as the, the fans. Um, so I, I guess if we kind of reverse in time here a little bit and let, let's go back to the idea of, of stash lead and, and I guess sure. both from – where the actual idea came from and uh, and why, you know, why, why did you feel like getting into this NIL space was something, uh, I feel like it's not something you just pick randomly. Like you probably have a pretty strong reason to want to support student athletes, uh, you know, both at South Carolina and elsewhere. So how did sort of just the the background go as far as sitting around and coming up with the idea for Stashleet and kind of the reasons for wanting to do so? Yeah, you know, so when we kind of look at the NIL space, you're right. No one, I don't think, accidentally gets into this. Um, You've really got to have a a passion for college sports as well as individual student athletes. And so as NIL was was legalized within the Supreme Court two years ago, obviously we saw the collective, um, a number of different entities kind of really – rush into the space and, and I really wanted to take our time with this. Um, kind of the backstory of Sashleet and, and how I came up with this was really understanding that inequality um, within athletics, especially at the collegiate level, there's a really big disparity and how do we help bridge that gap? And I really wanted to pull kind of from my life experiences and, and a part of my story Um, You know, I was adopted at birth and kind of throughout my childhood, I watched my parents constantly kind of pay it forward. And and so I had this idea, how do we use a platform and create something with a pay it forward mindset 
that really helps collegiate athletes and, and being able to do it really in, in a different way and something that hasn't been done. And as I looked kind of across the board at what collectives were doing, um, what other entities were doing, it kind of kept coming back to we need to build something that benefits athletes but also is very fan-focused. And I really think and, and hope we hit the mark on this. Um, I think it's built by a fan for fans. And I think kind of collegiate fans with all conference realignment, all the changes that are occurring, it's happening very fast. And, and we've been really in touch with tradition and history for the past 100 years in college sports. How do we continue to bring fans and, and being the focal point? They are the, if you will, the engine of what makes everything in college run. And I think we saw that in 2020. Without fans in the stadium, it feels different. Um, and, and fans want to be a part of. And I think we do a really unique way of offering that without them having to feel like I have to be a donor or I have to give $100 a month. People that, that are on budgets, whether you're a college student or a retiree, this is something you can be a part of. And our colleague Chris Clark has a great article on Gamecock Central about uh, Stash Lead and how everything got started. And reading that article, you made a point to note, uh, you know, with NIL, it's not just for the the top 1%. And we can talk about, you know, yeah. the quarterbacks and the basketball players, football players making millions of dollars. That's what gets the most attention. But And we've had the benefit of having so many student-athletes come through for this Garnet Trust Hour from the soccer team, from from the track team. You know, these non-quote-unquote revenue sports that are seeing a, a benefit from NIL in their own right, something that maybe we didn't think was possible two years ago when it came to fruition. But that's a big thing about what Statchley is trying to do, is making sure some of these athletes that aren't in the top revenue Avenue sports are getting a chance to benefit from NIL as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's funny we're kind of talking about this. Internally, we just had a meeting this past week, and my, so my sister, uh, she was a year-round swimmer, and she loves swimming. She didn't, you know, swim in college, but uh, nonetheless, she has a really big appreciation for the sport. And so we're, the month of November, we're now going to have the opportunity she has selected her, her monthly roundups to go to swimming and diving, and we're going to be able to create the first NIL deal for a swimmer and diver at the University of South Carolina, um, which is just phenomenal. And, and, you know, going on really finishing our second month in, in our beta program, it, I think that speaks volumes to where we're headed and the change and impact that we have the space to create. Um, and it goes to your point, you know, you think about women's soccer. They, they won the SEC championship. They are 13th in the country. Hallie Meadows, um, who, who plays for our women's soccer team at Carolina, we've been able to create and bring her on as a brand ambassador this past month, as well as create deals with um, you know, Micah Bryant, Reagan Schubach, Brianna Bim. They've never received NIL before. And what a moment, I think, for us to be able to say this is where we're headed, come be a part of it. So, um, obviously, this is Garnet Trust Hour, and I, I know, I, I believe these deals you're talking about, at least some of it is um, kind of through a partnership with Garnet Trust. I, I know you guys are working together, yep. um, so uh, can, can you maybe explain to our listeners what the connection is there with Garnet Trust, and and also why, uh, it, it sounds like South Carolina women's soccer was kind of the, the first sport to benefit from Stash Lead and, and sort of this this way of doing things. So can you kind of talk about 
what y'all have done with Garnet Trust and, and kind of how that aspect of this came about? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I actually reached out to, to Jeremy Smith last November um, when, when a lot of this started to, to be in the works. And he's really kind of been by my side since day one. So definitely want to kind of give a shout out and appreciation to him. Um, he, he has been a huge advocate for what we're doing and being able to also facilitate a space where Garnet Trust or Wildcat NIL at Kansas State, where we can kind of live together. Um, I, I would love to, to take your question head on. I think one of the things that we get a lot, how are you different than collectives? Why should mm-hmm. we give to you over a collective? And so I'd love to, to take a moment and, and talk about that. I think what Garnet Trust is doing in this space, they're obviously a part of the collective association. They are making a, a ton of ripples um, of benefit and, and positivity within the University of South Carolina and, and how to benefit student athletes, kind of thinking outside the box. And I think one of the things that we look at collectives and, and Garnet Trust in particular, they are a boots on the ground, right? Like they, they are on the campus, they are with athletes face to face. I'm not. And, and so, how do we really? Uh, bring together and work together to create a space where a user might see value in us, but we can still benefit Garnet Trust through that. And maybe the the user sees a value in just Garnet Trust. We're going to be there to support them regardless. Um, and, and I think being able to enter into this with partnerships and the mindset, there's room for everyone. And at the end of the day, this really is about benefiting student athletes. How do we work together and make that number one in priority? And Garnet Trust has been nothing short of that. Um, I know that I actually spoke with Jeremy the other day, and one of the things we're looking at is being able to, to do an art gallery night and just really out-of-the-box things to create that human connection, which he obviously gives the ability to, to get the athletes and coaches together um, to be present and, and to be a part of, and I think that's awesome. It, it's you know, they've really set the standard, and as we partner with other collectives, it's going to be hard for others to beat that. Again, talking to Melissa Siegler, the founder of Stashley, here on today's edition of the Garnet Trust Hour. And it's one thing to have an idea like this. It's another thing to actually see it come to fruition. What were the steps, and what was the process of actually getting this thing off the ground and making it happen? That's a loaded question. Um, definitely, you know, 18, 20 hour work days. This, this isn't easy. Um, I have a lot of support and I, I would not be here without that. You know, obviously my parents, big shout out and thank you to them. They've been alongside me since day one um, and they have been giving to the Gamecock Club 50 plus years. We have a long line of, of just pride uh, for this program, this school, the town, the state. And I think, you know, that's really something that's guided me throughout this. Um, While South Carolina was really our beta program, you know, we've kind of spread our wings and and we're at other collectives and and schools across the country. But, you know, it's it's one of the things you've got to reach out to people when you need help. And uh, like I said, Jeremy at Garnet Trust, Mark, um, they've kind of all been here since day one and helping get to this point. So, it's a it's a village, and I think that's kind of what Stashley's also about, and NIL. It is about it takes a village. One person can't do it. One donor can't do it. Um, a small group of a 1,000 fans can't do it. it. It takes everyone. 
Gotcha. Well, we will uh, continue this conversation. We'll get you to hold over for just a minute as we run into this break, and we'll get some more information on what Stashleet's doing and kind of what the future of this is within the uh, NIL space. Again, we are talking to Melissa Siegler, the founder of Stashleet, on today's edition of the Garner Trust Hour. Tyler Head and Wes Mitchell, along with you in the Herndon Chevrolet Studios. More coming up right after this here on The Game. Welcome back into the Garnet Trust Hour. Tyler Head and Wes Mitchell along with you here in the Herndon Chevrolet Studios. Joined today on the phone by Melissa Siegler, who is the founder of Stashleet, uh, which is a, a little bit of an outside-the-box way of going about NIL. She's been telling us about this on uh, so far on today's edition of the Garnet Trust Hour. You mentioned right before the break there, this getting some attention from around the country. Uh, collectives at UMass and Kansas State uh, recently linking up with Stashleet. Uh, for, for one, uh, w- was it surprising that this was already gaining more attention from a national perspective? And, and where do you feel like Stashleet can go from there? Yeah, it, it definitely was. Uh, you know, I actually called Jeremy in, I guess, the end of August, and I said, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. We're already hearing from seven and eight, you know, different collectives. I, I was not anticipating this, at least until after the year. Um, but it's a great problem to have, right? And so we are, we, we've just hired a, a full marketing manager. Um, we are getting ready to hire an NIL liaison. And, and so I think kind of the sky's the limit. But, you know, when we look at where we're headed, it, it's something that now we are building uh, for, for next year. Um, and it's kind of really always building for the future. But I, I think you look at we're at, what, 30 30 states now nationwide um, that have legalized NIL within high school. Um, And and so youth sports, you know, let's talk about that for a second. College, you have 537,000 collegiate athletes. Youth sports, you have over 30 million. And about 11% of those families incur debt just so their child can play one sport. Um, We've got to fix that. And I think we've got a really unique and interesting way to, to enter that space. You know, we all love the brownies and the the cookies they sell. Are we buying them because they're cookies or are we buying because we want to help support a cause? Um, I think that's what this is all about. As well as, you know, let's think about uh, Olympic sports, Um, women's professional sports. You know, women's professional soccer players, they don't really get paid a ton. Olympic athletes. South Carolina just actually had a, a former alumni uh, I guess it was two or three days ago, a men's swimmer who won bronze in the Pan American Games. How can we get support to them if they're not getting endorsements? So I think we, we've created a spot that, that covers a lot of avenues. Melissa, I believe when you were talking about South Carolina women's soccer earlier, you said uh, our soccer team or you said we or something like that. So um, this maybe doesn't matter to some people, but I promise you a lot of our listeners it does matter because they like to support their own sort of so did you grow up a Gamecock fan huge born and raised um you know it's funny this year I I had always gone to to football men's basketball my gosh at women's basketball I'm sure you guys remember the days when there were you know two or three hundred fans um we were there every game uh women's volleyball my mom mentored uh volleyball players growing up when, when I was a child so have always been very active. Um, my parents were tip-off club presidents back in the 70s. You know, it's just 
it's been a big part of who we are as a family. Um, I, and no matter where I've lived in the world, there's not a time I'm not waking up at 2 a.m. if I'm in Europe to make sure I'm catching a football or basketball game. Been to the Final Fours. It's just something I love. Um, but, you know, I've had to cheer for other teams this year, and it's been, it's been a, a lot of mixed emotions. <laughs> so there's no denying you're a diehard Gamecock through and through then, right? To say the least. Uh, and, and we've talked so much about, you know, Stash Lead and, and, and everything the, about building it. If you don't mind me asking, what is your professional background and how did that play into making something like this happen? Yeah, you got to be a little crazy, right, to, to be in this space and, and take the risk. Um, about 12 years ago, I, I was living in Florida. So after high school and doing online college uh, at Carolina, I actually moved to St. Martin and, and lived in the Caribbean, got my captain's license and, and fished um, and lived on a boat. wasn't too shabby. And then I came back to reality and, and moved to Florida. And uh, a group of us, I was one of the original founders of Delivery Dudes. So if you kind of think Uber Eats before what Uber Eats is today, um, and we were able to grow that from, you know, two, three locations up to about 37 nationwide. And then I exited in 2017, and I've been in Atlanta consulting ever since. And uh, Dash Fleet is the new kid on the block for me. So we're going to have baby. to get you in here for a full hour to tell your entire life story because you have a very, very interesting story to tell, it sounds like. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I think it goes to the heart and soul of why I'm here, though. You know, school for me, it was difficult. Um, there's no bones about that. It, it was something... I don't think I ever fit kind of into a box and how I, I just saw things differently and was willing to take those risks, willing to come up with crazy ideas and act upon it. Um, and, you know, here we are. It's, it's been a life of adventure, uh, a life of learning. And I think this for me um, is given me the space to, to create Stash Lead and really kind of see where we can take it. Very, very, very cool. So, Melissa, if I were to go s join Stash, subscribe, I, I don't know the, the terminology, but if, if I sign up, um, I, I see version sure. two is coming out. I believe y'all's target right now is for December. But um, what exactly am I going to see when I get on there, when I get on the app? How customizable is this thing in terms of, hey, I, I want my money to go to this team or I, I want this percentage of my roundup uh, to do this. How, how exactly does it work if one of our listeners is, uh, is ready to kind of dive in? Yeah. So for right now, uh, and like I mentioned, you know, we're still in beta until our version two launches December 18th. So right in the, the sweet spot of bowl games, but right now, you know, every user has the ability to, to join uh, we like to kind of say join our community because that's what we are. And being able to, to come on the platform, you create an account. We hope everything takes you under two minutes, if not a little bit less. And you can select your school. Probably all your listeners would select the University of South Carolina. And they have the ability then to select their favorite team. Um, if you really want to dive in, we've got now some for, for baseball, women's volleyball, um, you can do football. You select your team, whatever team you like. 
as we kind of get to V2, this is where it's going to get really fun. If you can imagine you log on to Charles Schwab or Fidelity, and you have the ability to create kind of your 401k portfolio, we're going to be able to offer that same thing where you can kind of create a portfolio. If you want to take 10 bucks a month, $2 a month, you get to choose what that looks like. We're not going to have any set membership. We want you to really control your money, what teams it goes to, and you'll have the, the ability and the, the user face to like multiple schools, maybe Carolina Clemson households, uh, probably a bad example. Uh, but, you know, you'll be able to, to select different schools um, as well as different teams, all with kind of allocating a, a certain number. Um, and I think that's kind of the beauty of it. That's where we really separate ourselves. We want to give every user, you choose how much. It doesn't matter how, how little or how much. Um, you get to make that choice, and you also get to choose where your money goes. And I think we put the power back in the fan and, and kind of the sky's the limit with that. Is this kind of a first-of-its-kind type of thing when it comes to NIL? Are you familiar with anything else around the country that's similar to this, or, or is this an, an original idea uh, in this space at least? Yeah, no, that's a, a great question. Um, so we are patent-pending um, for our V2 version, which is going to be, you know, if you're in there today, it's pretty bare-bones, but that's exactly what it's supposed to be for beta. You want to show one to two functionalities, that's it. RV2, it's going to be our patent pending technology. It took months, um, but that is it's an original idea. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun for fans. Um, we have seen, you know, there are a few startups across the country. You're looking at about three that have tried to do something similar, but with a very nonprofit feel. Um, or either the digital, are you guys familiar with NFTs? Yes. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. So <laughs> they've tried to do some things with NFTs, things of that nature. But, you know, again, we didn't want to just issue something electronically to a fan. We want to give kind of our user side that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet um, is the ability to partner with brands, right? And being able to say, hey, you're a user. Here's your ROI. It might not be cash. Um, but we want to be able to give something back to users on everyday services that they use as it, hey, thank you, here's your value, keep coming back. Um, and I think that's hugely important. I think that's where fans have really been left out is they don't feel like they're kind of getting something in return. And we've got we've to fix that because without fans, what is college sports? All right, Melissa, well, uh, thank you for giving us a little bit of your time today and uh, very excited to see what the uh, future of uh, Stashly is going to be in the NIL space. Yeah, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Again, that's Ms. Melissa Siegler, the founder of Stashly, which is a partner partner of the uh, Garnet Trust and doing some very innovative things in the uh, NIL space. Uh, we'll come back. We'll dive into some more stories going on around the world of college sports, including Perhaps the biggest one this entire week. We haven't got a chance to touch on it. Uh, at least Wes and Chris haven't here on the game. That's uh, coming up next here on the Garnet Trust Hour on the game. want to jump now into the story that's been dominating college football since it first came out last week, uh, and that's the Michigan sign-stealing scandal. And I feel like there's a new development 
every single day, and it gets wilder and wilder with each day that passes. We now know that this Connor Stallions guy has this 500-page manifesto on running the Michigan football program. He's been buying tickets for games, both Big Ten and future potential college football playoff opponents. There's there's so many, so many layers to this. It's hard to really wrap your head around the entire thing. It's been a wild, not even seven days. It came out last Thursday. A wild just or okay today is thursday but a wild seven days of this story developing yeah and i guess we um we haven't talked about it on the game guys central takeover hour because we've had a lot of other stuff to talk about but the the depth of this story like it, it keeps adding layers i feel like right and the the thing to me that is kind of hard to reconcile is the depth of it compared with the fact that you didn't hide anything sure like were you just well, thinking you could hide in plain sight and that it, it's kind of one of those things where you're like maybe you're like nobody will ever be looking for this sure but then once all it took was one tip basically yeah. hey start looking into this and none of it was hidden whatsoever yeah, and I've said this over the course of the past week. I'm not naive to think that Michigan's the only school that's doing something like this, but I do think they're the only school that's so out in the open about it where he's using his own name, he's using his own credit card, where it can easily be traced back to him, and maybe he thinks, oh, you know, if I go on SeatGeek or StubHub, they're not going to be able to trace that back to me. Well, guess what they are, and as soon as they look, it's like, hey, this is the guy, and then you go back and look at his, uh, what is it, um, like Venmo transactions yes. to these other staffers and paying them for random things, T-shirts and stuff like that. But conspicuously, it ends up being the money for these tickets and stuff like that. And, of course, Jim Harbaugh saying he doesn't know what's going on, but there's pictures of these guys standing next to each other on the sidelines. So, like, we're not naive. We know everybody in the program's in on this. And, again, they're not the only ones in the country doing this. And former players uh, from all over the country have come out and said, everybody steals signs. Not to this degree, though. And this is where the problem is because this does break NCAA rules. Yeah, everybody still signs by watching the signs and then trying to uh, figure out what they mean. Sure. And that's that. That's in any sport. I feel like it's kind of like in, in in baseball, the whole Astros thing. When, when you're able to just, like, interpret signs and, and see them right there with your eyes, that's one thing. When you yeah. take it to another level and start – involving technology and, and doing things that are very clearly, whether you agree with the rules or not, they're very clearly against the rules. Sure. That's when, you know, you have an issue. And I, I agree, you know, I know some people have come out and said, hey, like, you can know their signs all you want, but you uh, you still have to stop them. Yeah, true, but this is also still against the rules. It's against the rules for a reason. Part of the reason is that this was put in a long time ago, apparently, because some schools could not afford to send somebody all around the country to scout in person. Right. And But the other side of this, Michigan would not be going to these lengths to do it if they didn't feel like there was some advantage yeah. to having it. So yeah. uh, if even if it's what, – what if it's a, a 1% advantage? If you are in a tight football game and it's coming down to the margins – Maybe, you know, maybe that 1% wins you a game. And when you're fighting for a national championship, like you are a program at this point that is making the college football playoff on a consistent basis. Right. So you are you know you're going to need those the, that edge. And it, it goes as far as they're sending people to teams that they might play, right. allegedly. 
sure. into the co- you know in the college football playoff. Now that actually I suppose is not illegal because it's only the rule says teams that are on your schedule. So technically that by the absolute letter is not illegal. I don't think. Sure. But um it, it clearly says you can't record other teams' signals that are on your schedule. Um and the way it's written, I don't even think you can record them when they're in your house, like when they are at your stadium. You're not supposed to be recording their signals. Yeah, and again, the, this is a rule that's been in place I think since nineteen ninety four with the NCAA. And obviously back then, you know, recording wasn't nearly as easy as it is today with cell phones and all that kind of stuff. So uh, and again, I, I I don't even doubt that there are other programs around the country that are doing this kind of thing with sending team sending people to other teams games, real quick but they're doing a whole lot better job of hiding it and i imagine there's some teams around the country that are having meetings this week like all right guys what are we doing so we don't get caught like michigan does and uh again they're just say it's like like you said it's like they didn't expect anybody to be looking into this and it's not something i guess you would really even think of but getting tipped off to it and then all this information is out in the open and it's just uncovering thing after thing after thing with every day that goes by. Well, when you have an electronic trail, not even a paper trail, when there's yeah. an electronic trail, all it takes is for, really, it doesn't even have to be somebody professional. It could be somebody bored on the internet that right. happens to have a little bit of, of a reason to want you to fail. And uh, that could be as simple as, I'm an Ohio State fan, and I got time today. And I'm, hey, there's a tip on this. I mean, there were Tennessee fans on VolQuest tipping people off to this was happening months ago. Sure. And um, almost a year ago, I, I think. So th- this has been floating around, I'm sure, within the coaching community for a long time. And now you start putting pieces together and finding that proof. But I would think it would have been pretty easy to use different names and sure. to, to hide this thing a, a whole lot better. But you're, you're going to have the two distinct sides of this, and that's going to be that this is the this is absolutely awful. This is the worst thing I've ever heard. Fire Harbaugh. And then you're going to have the people that say the signs don't matter. You know, you still have to stop teams. Yeah. However, it, it, it is against the rules. This is a bad look if you're the NCAA just because this is one of your marquee programs. They're going to probably be in the college football playoff. And like you were talking about earlier before I hopped on, how how can this even be punished right now? Sure. Because you're still investigating. So yeah. who, who even has the power to punish them at this point? Other than if it's maybe the college football playoff just saying, we're not going to pick them. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the only thing that I can feasibly see happening in the short term because, again, NCAA investigations, they take years, they go to court, they got to gather, gather all the information. So, theoretically, Michigan could go win the national championship this year. Then in 2027, if the NCAA is around at that point in time, says, Probably hey, guess not. what? Take your banners down. We're going to vacate your wins. Well, every single player that played in that is no longer on the team anymore. They're in the NFL or whatever it may be. The fan base got to experience all that. Like, it's a pretty hollow punishment. We talk about taking away, like, Louisville's basketball national championship championships and all that stuff, Southern Cal's national championships from back in the day because of the Reggie Bush stuff. Like, yeah, on paper, they're still not national championships, but everybody saw it. So it's a pretty, like, yeah, you're punishing them, but are you really – yeah, it, it happened. Like, you still had those moments. You had those experiences, those memories. And a lot of that stuff rings a little bit hollow, I, I think, when you start vacating wins. But, um, you know, there, there's not really, though, a precedent to this. Yeah, it's like, a first-of-its-kind kind of thing. Yeah, so 
you, you also have this thing like I, I know I know Harbaugh is banking on plausible deniability. Of course. But also, you know, there's this thing at this point that whatever's happening within your program ultimately falls at your feet. Whether yep. you can now what can it be proved he knew or not? Sure. Is what he is banking on. But um in some ways it doesn't really matter if that can be proved or not. It ultimately does come back on you. And that's a good point. And we'll talk about the implications for Harbaugh and his future at Michigan. Will be Jim Harbaugh's last year coaching Michigan? Uh, at this point, with what just came out now, uh, I would not be surprised at all. Uh, again, knowing and speaking to people that I speak to and what um, and how they feel, you know, I know that there is a faction there that uh, thinks that Michigan, you know, okay, they don't want to extend him even, you know, people in power. And then you have some that are behind him, but I do know the president is Santa Ono is taking it very seriously and believes this is very serious. So uh, I would not be shocked at all. Welcome back into the Garner Trust Hour. Tyler Head and Wes Mitchell along with you on this Thursday morning. That was the voice of Chris Ballas from TheWolverine.com. He was on Andy Staples on 3 Podcast the other day talking about the latest with this Michigan sign-stealing scandal in reference to Jim Harbaugh and his future as the coach of the Wolverines. And Wes, as you just mentioned there, you know the thing they're going to be banking on with Jim Harbaugh is the plausible deniability. Like, oh, this was Stafford's underneath him, you know, doing all this stuff without any of his knowledge or any of his consent. But at the same time, and I think back to the Northwestern situation with Pat Fitzgerald over the summer, you should also have control over what's happening with your staffers underneath you. And that could be something that will ultimately come back to bite Jim Harbaugh with this. Yeah, and, and let's let's play this out. So if you're going to argue from a Michigan standpoint or from a Harbaugh standpoint, really, that he did not know, well, you would also think he's smart enough to know, all right, this is a little more detailed information than you should have in any way. Sure about these opponents. So, like, I don't even know how you frame that up if you're Harbaugh. Like, how do you even argue that if you're one of Harbaugh's lawyers at some point? Like, well, you know, he just put this guy in charge of scouting and then let him go scout, and he was supposed to bring back scouting information without reporting, without showing his work, basically. You didn't have to show your math. Just give me the final answer. And... It's like, okay, y'all didn't train the guy up at any point. Y'all didn't put in any standards on how you wanted this done. You didn't. Right. Um, that that doesn't really pass the smell test at, at all. Um, also, as we were sort of listening to that clip, it kind of hit me. I'm sure there are people at Michigan who are, you know, completely have Harbaugh's back. Sure. I'm sure there are people at Michigan, though, that – are over this guy, even though they've been winning. Like, I I think a lot of times you'll read reporting and kind of leaning on my own experience here, you'll read reporting and be like, hey, well, the administration at insert school X feels this way. And usually that is a highly generalized statement because we're all people Mm -hmm. and people have differing opinions on things. So I promise you there are people that are at Michigan, that are at higher up spots that are saying, hey, I mean, I love Jim. He's a great guy, and, um, you know, he would never do this. Or even if he, they're like, ah, maybe he did, but we're winning, and right. um, there's a gray area. 
And then I'm sure there are people that are embarrassed because you're back in the headlines. You've already had your coach miss games this year mm-hmm. for somewhat silly stuff. Like, I get it. It's recruiting stuff. But if you're an academic, you tend to look at those things like this is an embarrassment sure. to the Michigan way. Sure. And it's always been a very proud institution, uh, I feel like, as well. So how many people in Michigan are kind of just like, look, guys, we have the foundation here. We have players here. We can just move on. Well, and it seems like every single year we have the conversation in the off seasons, like, you know, Jim Harbaugh can go jump back to the NFL because it seems like that's something that's coming down the road anyway. He was, you know, in the conversations. He interviewed for the Vikings job a couple of years ago before Kevin O'Connell got it. And, you know, the Bears are going to be looking for a coach at the end of the season. Just go ahead and jump ship. And, you know, both sides say, look, this is going to get messy before it gets better. Let's just go ahead and part ways. Jim, go to the NFL. We'll deal with whatever repercussions come down the line and not have to worry about you anymore, basically. Didn't he interview for the Broncos? Didn't he basically? I mean, it was reported at one point he was leaving. He like accepted. Well, according to the reporting, sure, it was like he accepted a job that was never even offered to him. Yeah, it's always he's been tied to just about every single NFL opening that's happened because he was a great NFL coach. And very rarely do you have a guy that's successful at both the NFL and the college level. I think what Jimmy Johnson is one of the few that was able to mm-hmm. actually do that. And obviously Jim Harbaugh has taken a 49ers team to the Super Bowl. He's taken Michigan to back-to-back college football playoff national championships. A great coach. Nobody denies that. And I don't doubt that he could go back to the NFL and have a lot of success um, if he went back there next year. But, you know, we're dealing with two NCAA things in just this calendar year alone with Michigan. There's no telling what else could be coming down the line in reference to Jim Harbaugh. So this stuff may not be done yet. And again, with Michigan, a very proud institution that, you you know, prides itself on 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 its education and and the Michigan man, the Michigan man, which Jim Harbaugh is a Michigan man, played for them and was a, was a very popular hire when he came in back in 2015. But it gets to a point; it's like, all right, we're kind of sick of your crap. Let's move on and get somebody else in here. Hey, I, if I was, I would take him with the Panthers. I'll tell you that. I mean, the guy you already, can, you already given up on Frank Wright. Well, I'm just, I I can fully be a fan on that side and have yeah. just um, takes that aren't maybe based in reality, but but point being, my point being, I mean, the guy can definitely coach. It just seems like drama is always right around the corner. And in in what other scenario are we talking about a team coming off back-to-back college football playoff appearances, may be the best team in the country right now, top to bottom, and we have to keep talking about, well, their coach may leave after this year. Yeah, I mean, and it's got to kind of be exhausting. Like, I... Uh, nobody's going to feel sorry for Michigan fans. Oh, sure. sorry, your team's playing in the literal college football playoff every year right now. And guess what? You're back in the conversation again. But, hey, I wait for the conspiracy theory, though, when Ohio State and Michigan play. If there's a couple of calls that go against Michigan, wait for the conspiracy that the Big Ten was like, hey, we, we don't want Michigan representing us in the playoff this year. Well, and... I know it's easy to make that point, and I brought this up the last hour. The Big Ten still wants Michigan to be in the college football playoff. They want both these teams to be in it because similar to last year, you get two teams in, that's even more revenue for your conference. So while, yes, the Big Ten could theoretically step in and say, well, we think Michigan's wins are under scrutiny and we're not going to let you play in the Big Ten championship game or whatever, like that's not advantageous to them because that affects their bottom line because, again, at the end of the day, money wins over everything. But are they going to get two this year with all the other undefeated slash one-loss teams? Like, I – I, I think it's going to be divided up. Like, there's going to be a conference left out, obviously. I think it's going to be spread. I think it'll be four different conferences to yeah. get in this year. And if you if you have to have Ohio State or Michigan, um, 
I actually think Michigan's the better football team. Right. But do you want the headache sure. of that when you but, eh, let's send Ohio State back? But in. at the same time, we don't know how these next four to five weeks are gonna play out. We thought there were gonna be like three undefeated ACC teams. Now That's there's true. only one left. So you, you never know. I think obviously the Big Ten could theoretically and you know, they're go abandoning divisions next year as everybody is, but it's almost worked out perfectly where the fact you have Michigan and Ohio State in the same division, one's going to win the day, the day uh, two days after Thanksgiving and play for the Big Ten championship game, probably win it, and the other one can backdoor their way into the college football playoff, and that very well could happen again this year. Yeah, it, it could. It could. So, But I'm telling you, that conspiracy will be on Twitter oh, the second. The no. second there's a remotely... Well, Potentially, not even bad call, but that yeah. could be misinterpreted well, call. Uh, people are already, you know, throwing the conspiracy out there that oh, Ryan Day is the one that tipped off the NCAA to all the stuff going on. He's he's not, but he I imagine if, if he had any information, he's going to give it to him certainly. But this is something that's continuing to develop, and again, every single day, more and more stuff comes out about this. So it's far from done, and we'll stay on top of it as it continues. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 